You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. The Canadian big banks provide earnings surprises once again. But given COVID's deep winter wave and an economy that still requires a lot of support, how much longer can they keep this up? On this episode of Market Points, Manny Grauman, Managing Director covering Canadian financial services and global equity research at Scotiabank, talks big bank earnings opportunities and which bank stocks are worth a closer look. Hi, Manny. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. Uh, it's been a busy week in Canadian bank land. I can't tell if it's a marathon or a sprint, but uh, we're on the other side of it. So glad to uh, talk about uh, what we learned. Very busy indeed, with all big banks exceeding expectations. Uh, perhaps you can kick us off with a little insight into what drove earnings, but also interested to know whether you thought expectations were overly conservative. Yeah, I'll start with that second part. Definitely uh, expectations were overly conservative. We uh, expected Bay Bank earnings to come in at about 5% ahead of consensus, uh, and they did even better than that. They came in with beats ranging from 10% at the low end to 26% uh, at the high end for both uh, BMO and TD. So very impressive numbers. When you unpack uh, what was driving that, really credit was the key factor here with all banks uh, beating on this line. This really was the key driver of the beats and the source of upward earnings revisions, especially in fiscal 2021. We'll talk uh, more about uh, that later, but uh, it's definitely important to highlight other themes uh, that we saw across the banks included higher than expected net interest margins, especially domestically, and also higher than forecast capital ratios. So the banks are sitting on a lot of excess capital. And for the time being, OSFI is not allowing them to buy back shares or to raise dividends. So that excess capital is going to continue to build. In terms of digging a little bit uh, deeper uh, into the details, BMO, I would say, had the best results, but it really was a tight range here in a sea of pretty sizable beats. Uh, although credit and capital are no longer the focus for investors, I think what we saw was a range of sentiment from management teams, with Royal being the most conservative about the outlook over the coming quarters and the second wave uh, of the pandemic. Having th- said that, I really think that this is just messaging. It's just uh, conservatism. I don't think that uh, Royal Bank is seeing a more negative outcome here, um, just uh, trying to thread the needle a little bit in terms of what's prudent from a messaging point of view. So how did the market react across, let's say, all, 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 all the banks? Did you see a lot of this already priced in? Well, certainly, given the market reaction after day one of earnings, I think it's safe to say that there is a sense of fatigue uh, with these names. They've actually had a pretty nice run over the last month uh, in particular. So, uh, you know, I think that that's really the dynamic that we're Facing here, proof of that, uh, in fact, is TD beat by 26%, uh, and it was essentially flat on the day. So uh, I think that that is uh, a best reflection of that uh, that sentiment uh, as you can get. Clearly, we're seeing a rotation into the laggards of the group. Stocks that that have been outperforming through earnings season are BMO, CIBC, and and Scotiabank, which we don't cover, but I'll just... uh, Mention it because definitely it's it's very relevant uh, in terms of the price action through earnings season here. So now that the dust has settled, then uh, what's your top pick at the moment? 
So CIBC was our favorite name heading into the quarter, and we leave this uh, year-end reporting just more confident uh, in our CIBC call. It's definitely not mission accomplished for them, but we are getting there. There is definitely a history of past missteps, uh, and that continues to weigh on relative valuation here. Uh, the shares are trading at about a 10% discount to the group based on consensus fiscal 2022 earnings. But uh, we have a lot of confidence that uh, they won't be an underperformer this time around. This credit cycle is looking very different. And I think that in itself deserves a re-rating, but there's more than that. On top of that, we definitely see signs of a turnaround in their mortgage business. Loan growth, mortgage loan growth was up 6% year over year on a spot basis, and originations continue to climb higher. They're still losing market share, and, and some people point to that as a source of caution. Uh, definitely, the entire group saw very strong mortgage growth. It wasn't just CIBC. Uh, but in terms of market share, I think what we are seeing is the beginning uh, of a turnaround here, signs of stabilization, and it's clearly in management's crosshairs to get back to their natural market share. So, you know, I think as an aside, we've talked about mortgage growth. One thing to highlight is that this is a very unique recession uh, where housing is up, savings rates and cash balances, both for consumers and for businesses are up. So there is certainly a lot of support here that's helping the banks. And I think we're seeing it uh, in the results uh, very clearly. We've been seeing it all along. Um, definitely, this is all being underpinned by an unprecedented amount of fiscal stimulus that looks likely to continue for some time. So this is sort of an interesting side point, but uh, definitely coming into the pandemic, we thought uh, the picture would look a lot different. And here we're continuing to see another quarter where, where the, the picture looks a lot better than expected. Definitely, when we look ahead, uh, we see some uh, signs of a little more stress. Uh, but again, I think clearly the banks have provisioned well for coming impairments and capital ratios are high. So no issues there. It's, it's really uh, the focus for now is, is, is really about earnings growth uh, going forward. Speaking of the, the mortgage businesses for the banks, I mean, this housing boom in the middle of a pandemic is a, is a very strange thing. and. Uh, Assumingly, that's a big part of the, the booming business as with rates. So how sustainable is that really? Well, I think, you know, the question is, where do we go from here? I think there is still comfort on credit despite the second wave. Like I said, the there's a delayed reaction here in terms of impairments, in terms of the kinds of losses that the banks will see on certain loans. But, but they've prepared for this. They've really uh, bulked up their allowances uh, for credit losses. Capital ratios are very high. Um, so there is a portion here that's going to be delayed, but a lot of the, the pain really is, that we thought was going to come early in the pandemic just isn't going to come. And as I mentioned before, government stimulus is a part of the Band-Aid that's helping that. I think really the question as we look forward, and, and as I alluded to in my last answer, the, the focus for investors, and I think rightly so, is really on revenue growth, especially loan growth. Um, and what that looks like in both fiscal 21 and fiscal 22. I think there's still question marks around that. If we're going to be honest, uh, definitely uh, there's a, a debate out there about how fast uh, credit growth is going to bounce back beyond uh, the mortgage business where we see a lot of strength. Other loan categories are not looking as robust. So the question is, when is that all going to come back? Uh, I think there is reason for optimism. The good news is that really with expectations so low, with numbers so low, um, 
for both fiscal 21 and fiscal 22, I think the odds of estimates going up is much higher than the odds of them going down, unless, of course, we get some unexpected surprise. Maybe the vaccine turns out to be a dud. I, I really don't think that that's the case. Um, so there's a little bit of heightened uncertainty here, but I think we're definitely facing in the right direction and uh, the momentum is with the banks. So even though the market has shown over the last few days a little bit of fatigue with these banks, I still think there's quite a bit of upside. And uh, and, and I think that uh, uh, there's still more to come here for these stocks. Let's certainly hope the vaccine news continues to uh, be good. Uh, and as the economy continues to reopen then, uh, going into the future quarters, I mean, the banks have been outperforming expectations uh, lately through a very strange time. Is that uh, going to be maintained? Do you expect those upside surprises? So as I mentioned, I, I think there is some upside to numbers. I think we have to be patient on that. That'll still have to happen. Just in terms of valuation, when you look at where the banks are trading on consensus 2022 earnings, they're still not quite at historical averages on a, on a price to earnings basis. So I think there is still some room just from that alone. But I think the real kicker will come from upward revisions to earnings. It might take a while. I think instead of the big boom up that we've seen over the last little while, I think it's going to be more of a trickle. It's it's going to be a, a more gradual uptick in terms of the share prices here. But I'm still very positive on these banks and still confident uh, that, again, we are going to see more, more upside. Um, I mentioned CIBC as uh, my favorite name here. One interesting name that I also wanted to mention was National Bank. The market uh, reception to their results, and, and again, they also put up a, a beat. Market reception was a little surprising. The shares have traded down since they reported what I thought was very good results. And now they're trading at uh, quite a significant discount to the group based on fiscal 2020, 2022 earnings. So that's another name that I would highlight uh, um, that... Uh, is is a name that I think uh, has some good potential here uh, coming out of earnings. So it doesn't have the same the same uh, momentum that CIBC has, but uh, it's an interesting value name in the space right now. What do you think the rationality is from the market on uh, on uh, hammering National Bank then? Well, I think it fits very nicely into the the big picture trends that I was talking about. We're definitely seeing a rotation away from the names the banks that were viewed as very defensive uh, into uh, the banks that were viewed as uh, as less defensive plays at the height of the pandemic. So really, the defensive names, and this was really a consensus view uh, at the time that the pandemic really hit, it was royal and national. Those were the places where you could find shelter from the storm. Um, so I think that really plays into the narrative. But again, even though uh, I do agree that uh, National Bank was a defensive name uh, back then, when you look at where earnings expectations are, and so when you look at valuation, you take a close look, National Bank is actually trading at a 5% discount to the group on consensus fiscal 2022 earnings. So to me, that's just not justified. This is a bank that over the past few years, I think, has proven to the market that it is not a discount bank. And, uh, and so this is a, an interesting valuation quirk, but I think it creates a very interesting opportunity for investors nonetheless. Oh, and what about this buildup of capital? Do you expect uh, 2021 to be a year where uh, banks are allowed to raise dividends as an option, do share buybacks again? Do you see that in the near future? I don't think it's in the cards in the near future. We heard from 
the uh, superintendent of financial institutions uh, not so long ago. He didn't give specific timing, but definitely sounded like he was in no rush to allow banks to resume buybacks or increase their dividends. Um, you know, I think that at the earliest, we can expect uh, those rules to be eased, uh, probably the end of fiscal 2021. Uh, having said that, I think there's a strong justification to allow buybacks and dividend increases right now. I think the reserve build uh, that the banks uh, have uh, completed is in the rearview mirror. I think there's clearly uh, much less uh, risk uh, to the banks at this stage. So I think there is a case to be made. The question is, will the regulator listen? Um, I think it's better to be cautious here, but certainly uh, the banks, all the banks have capacity to uh, resume buybacks once they're allowed. And I think that is sort of another catalyst waiting in the winds, wings for these banks. We haven't really talk too much about this, but there definitely is that uh, potential uh, just lurking around the corner. It'll, it'll take a little while, but it's. I don't think that story is going to change. Capital levels for the banks are only going to go higher from here and not lower. That was Minnie Grauman, Managing Director covering Canadian Financial Services and Global Equity Research at Scotiabank. You can now find Scotiabank's Market Points on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And we want to hear from you. Please rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us improve the content we create for you. You'll find more thought-leading content on our website, gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. I'm Greg White. Thanks for listening.